0: Hi, everybody. and Welcome to Well, This Isn't Normal. My name is Sarah Benenkasa. If you are interested, you can find me at Sarah J. Casa on Instagram and on Twitter. My guest today is a friend of mine who's a really special person, so deeply creative, very smart, very passionate, very thoughtful, um, very gracious individual who really is actively engaged in the work of looking at himself, looking at who he was, who he is, who he wants to be, and integrating all of that. And that sounds really kind of airy-fairy and hippie-ish the way I put it, but the way Rob Belushi does that and describes his experience of being alive and being um, a sober addict and being someone in recovery, he's very open about that. And um, it's it's great. It's really helpful. And I think he's fantastic. So I'm so excited that, that you're going to get to know him. He's a teacher. He's an actor. Uh, he teaches at Second City. He's uh, just a A neat dude. He's also a host on Game Show Network. Like He's very multi-talented and um, just an interesting human. I don't know. I really dig him. I'm glad that he's my friend. I'm glad to know him in the way that I do. He's been a very positive influence on me overall. And I think you're going to really enjoy this deep dive. We do talk about addiction. We talk about addiction as a family disease. Uh, We get into it um, a bit. And hopefully it will be helpful for those of you who deal with addiction or think that you might have a problem that you're worried about, or it it just might be interesting to you if you have friends who are addicts, or it might just be interesting to you because Rob and I are really cool people with great bone structure. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I'll talk to you after the interview. Well, this isn't normal audience. I'm here with my friend, who's a actor, comedian, host, teacher, pizza man, <laughs> Home, homeowner, like multiple times over. I feel like a uh, real estate genius and just good person. Rob Belushi. Hi. Hi.
1: Thanks for having me. Oh, what I'm so thrilled to have you. What a what a cool intro for a uh, just a sober cocaine addict trying to get through the day.
0: <laughs> yeah, also, also a sober cocaine addict trying to get through the day. I am, I am perpetually like so impressed by the the breadth of what you do. I, you know, I mean, I love you as my friend, and you've been a wonderful influence in my life in various ways. But one thing I find, um, among the many things I think we probably have in common, is the need to stay active uh, in, in multiple ways, not just like you, you're, you're good at a bunch of things. You're kind of a polymath in my opinion. Um, I think you would get bored if
1: you were just going for one thing. Gosh, you know, um, I, I don't know. Like, I guess, you know, like I listen to podcasts and, you know, anyone who's on social media is like mindset, mindset, mindset. And like, my I don't really do that kind of stuff. Like mindset when I, I, I really have good days and bad days. And, um, you know, one thing I am really in danger of doing often is like getting too far ahead and getting overwhelmed and then catastrophizing the entire future. So that, that happens to me a lot. And the thing that I do to kind of um, battle that is just to do what's in front of me all the time. So like people who know me or have to deal with me pretty well, that can kind of be annoying because I have to take care of tasks right away And I think that has to do with like anxiety, like I'll lay in bed and think about things that I can control that I haven't put away. Um, and it'll keep me up, but it's also a way for me to kind of, and these are from small tasks to, you know, larger researching whatever to reading or working out, you know, whatever, I, I just try to do, do, do things every day. Um, Sometimes I'm not really bored that often. Like I was an only child and um, I I always kind of just had to entertain myself. And uh, so I I read a lot and I watch a lot of TV. um, (laughs) But um, I'm also an actor who works occasionally. Um, So often I have to do other things for um, income. And um, that kind of motivates some of my other uh, motions, I guess.
0: Well, it makes sense. I mean, one of my books is called "Real Artists Have Day Jobs," and I love it. I love uh, that. And you have you 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 are a host on a. Polly, are you throwing up while I'm? Okay, well, that's a first. I'm not (laughs) editing it out. By the way, my cat, my cat just. Casually my
1: dog
0: p- wants to leave the room too. So- <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Uh Jenna and Caroline are the editors at Spoke Media. Jenna and Caroline, if you're listening, which you will be, don't edit this out. Let the people know. Let the people know that Rob's dog was like, I'm out of here. And my cat was like, I'm gonna scratch and then puke. So we're good. I mean, this is this is the stuff of life right now, right? Yeah. Like having a chat and I I've done um I've just done one live hit. No, I've done two live hits since this all started. One was um, a live interview on WNYC with Allison Stewart, who used to be cool. a news host and who has yeah. done a lot of great journalism since. And Allison's great, and I was so nervous and excited that I hit, I hit. First of all, I had my phone on speaker, which you're never supposed to do on a radio interview, which I know I used to host and produce radio, and I just was so excited that I forgot. And then um, I hit the mute button and then I hit the hang up button in the middle of my interview. <laughs> so oh no. I had to call back in. They were really sweet about it. And it was just funny. And I think like um, hopefully, hopefully silly and humanizing uh, for anyone listening who is under the very mistaken impression that just because you're interviewed uh about being a performer or a writer or whatever that like you have your shit together i think everybody knows that's not true but just in case hopefully it was enchanting and whimsical to people (laughs) the other line was buzzfeed news and uh nobody like everything was okay it was fine
1: well you are um uh, super high functioning and uh profoundly prolific person. So when you talk about your perceived feelings, I think it's pretty cool to hear about because, you know, I I know that often we all feel like just we're held together with like used masking tape, but what other people see, you know, like my view of you is an incredibly motivated and energetic creator and Um, so, you know, if you blow it on a couple buttons, who cares? I (laughs) guess, you you. know, and and hearing you talk about that, like it makes me think of this bullshit meme I keep seeing, like, this is the time to write that thing or develop your side hustle or, or level up. And I I gotta say my response, my like instinctual response to that in these times is that's bullshit.
0: So you don't feel like the rise and grind attitude of the motivational biohacking bro podcast world is necessarily what we need right now. Not that motivational podcasts aren't great. Not that biohacking, whatever the fuck that means, isn't, I'm sure, great. I have some friends who do it. I don't know what it means. But it's like, you don't feel like we all have to be uh, writing the great American novel right now.
1: No. And I think I don't. And I I don't know if like, I don't know my bl- my own blind spots on this kind of stuff, but I, I just know that, like, if you're inspired to create uh, and that's your way of, of dealing with the very um, scary times we're in, I think that's great. If, if you're kind of overwhelmed and in a bit of a holding pattern, I think that's fine. In fact, that may be the best thing you can do for yourself and your family is to, like, stay well and de-stress and be as healthy as you can in the situation we're in. So, you know, nobody's perfect. And like, uh, anyway, that's just something like, I keep seeing that.
0: Yeah. It's weird. Like
1: like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, I just think like, instead of saying, you know, level up your game and do the thing you've always meant to do, like, uh, I think, you know, what you advocate for often is like uh, help out a nonprofit or help out your neighbor or Mm -hmm. put some energy into your community in some way. I mean, that's kind of what I think is inspiring. And, you know, I'm still looking at ways to do that more. But, um, God, write another pilot. I mean, great. It's hard
0: to feel motivated to do that stuff. And also, you know... I do a. I started a podcast because it helps me stay sane and sober and connected and in community with people. So, so I've said to a couple of friends like, "You're doing so much." They're like, "You're doing so much right now," and I'm like, "Yes." A because I'm blessed that my job hasn't let me go. Knock on. I'm literally knocking on wood. Yet they haven't had to my day job. I'm blessed because my. Um, outside retail client is very busy right now, pitching in with um, mask making and different things. Um, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. And um, it's a very old school kind of thing that happened last in this country, I think during World War II, where a lot of places converted to making things to help the war effort. And this, in a sense, is like that. Um, but also I'm, I'm doing like... I'm not doing a podcast every day because I'm naturally a sane, sober, chill with it gal who's like, wow, time to focus on my art. It's part of keeping me sane and sober. And I know it's hard to explain. I know you understand. It's hard to explain well, that mentality.
1: And it's, and it's also, I think, a service. Right? Oh, for
0: sure. It's, I call it selfish altruism, but it very much yeah. is grounded in the principles of service. Yeah. Like helping other people stay well helps us stay well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's great. And I'm happy to be a part of it. And, um, I, I didn't mean to be like a hater of people. No,
0: who no, find no
1: motivation, but like, ugh. Come
0: well, on. it's at uh, treating this like, uh, if that's
1: what keeps you sane, yeah. Writing a pilot or a, or a movie or love, you know, whatever. I think that's great. Go for it. I, you know, wh- whatever gets you through the day. I, I just, react like especially out here and i'm sure you're aware of it in los angeles like constant like people in the industry that we're in is people are constantly telling us to self-create anyway like you got you know what are you doing if you're not writing all day and all and i I think that's great for people who who love to write and, and all that but it's it's just a constant deluge of that fresher anyway and not to add that on to like oh cool people are really suffering there is a lot of death everywhere there's no real um leadership
0: no we have an we have an abusive stepfather right
1: now (laughs) Yeah, a, yeah, An
0: abusive, like, uh, and I just call him a stepdad because he's not our, he's clearly not, a, we don't have a bio dad. Like, we have a series of stepdads who may or may not beat the shit out of us or they may beat the shit out of the, out of the neighbor kids or they may get in fights down at the bar, but they're real nice to us at home so we like them and we let them stay around. Like, we have a series of fucking stepdads and that's how we look. We even say the founding fathers. We really have this very paternalistic view. I'm sure if, if we had a woman present, maybe we'd look at her as a mother figure but like we have an abusive stepdad who is uh, a toxic narcissist and that's why if you've grown up in a fucked up dysfunctional emotional chaos household this shit feels very familiar to you um not that i've thought about it or that i'm angry but no no we don't we don't have we don't have steady leadership right now so we're having to do it ourselves and some of us you know for various reasons have a toolkit that either we were taught as children by parents who set correct boundaries and educated us or grandparents or whoever, um, or we came to it through therapy. We came to it through recovery. We came to it through finding meaning in military service and whatever it may be. Um, We we came to that. We've acquired a toolkit that we're able to apply now. And some people, uh, some people don't. And so they're just acquiring them now, especially some young people. And that's really amazing, but it's terrifying.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes to all that. Preach. And like, um I you know, I know um I, I know a lot of people who are like can juggle a lot of things and, and can um are, are really high functioning. I, I'm not really like that. Like if I have too many things on my plate, I get really overwhelmed. And I spent like a lot of years just um I, I look at, feeling like a, a loser because um other people were better at like hacking multiple things at once than I was. And they knew every movie being made and every show being sold. And, and like, that just sends me out. And I know that like, I'm a little older and I've been in recovery for a little while and, um, you know, clean, for 12 years and I just, I know myself now just to be like, if, if I keep it simple, um, the, the emotions stay manageable and my like serenity level is higher. And I've tried to kind of not judge myself for that because it's better for me and it's better for the people around me. Um, so I guess that's one thing that I'm really kind of focusing on now is like, I'm, my news intake, which is usually really high, um, I'm trying to bring it down a little bit. So I'll watch like Cuomo of, in the morning to kind of see what's going on with him. And then I'll do maybe like the daily or, um, you know, the pod. Save guys. a little Yeah, bit. what a
0: Akila Hughes who co-hosts What a Day on Crooked Media. Yeah. Um, that's a yeah. real nice one. She's she's been a guest, and and it, that's a real nice one that I like a lot because actually I don't know if this episode will go up before hers comes out or not. I think it'll hers will come out by now. But um, I like that one because it's like fifteen to. maybe 25 minutes so Mm -hmm. I can dip in. And I told her, I was like, Akilah, I listen to you a lot, but I can't do it every day anymore because if I hear it, it, because some, some days I'm too overwhelmed and, and, you know, I'm her friend. So I know she's been reporting on coronavirus since late December or, or no, it was their first show back from the break. It was early January. And so she's been talking about this and preparing and urging people online, sometimes getting really frustrated and angry because she's so in it that she's known about all this stuff and, and like hearing people deny it has been really tough for her, but I know it's taken a toll on her. She loves her job and the people she works with, but I know it's taken a toll on her being in the news all the time. And I feel relieved that you and I, thank God, (laughs) we're, we're pretty online, but we can also step away.
1: And yeah, like I, I admit and acknowledge that um, it's an incredible privilege to be in that position. Like my my mother works in the hospital, and I worry about her every day. And yeah, she's sixty five and high risk, and like she's an amazing woman. And uh, shout out to Sandy, you know,
0: Sandy, we love you, and, uh, um,
1: and you know, she's in a, she's still going to work, and um, amazing. Do they have I,
0: masks at her job? Like, do they have enough masks for? Folks? Oh no, I mean not
1: really. And and you, you're talking about your company. There's also another company that I like buy t-shirts from that mm-hmm. are making masks and donating one for everyone. So I sent her. You, I sent her and my stepdad, who's also working. Um, he does like uh, manages and maintains a large apartment complex in the suburbs of chicago he's a god he's an, he's just the salt of the earth doesn't describe him he's the best but you know he's at risk too with health problems and money issues. you know that i mean whatever so both, they're of, hard-working, these, both they're hard-working, of them are essential they, yeah they're essential and also so anyway i sent i sent them masks and i sent the her her unit floor masks and
0: oh that's good
1: Hopefully they get there soon um, because no, they're underfunded and, you know, they're asking my mom to take, you know, um, shifts like helping with janitorial and this and that. And it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird deal and I worry very much, but I also know that, um, again, keeping it simple, like I I do what I can do and I, and um, worrying constantly isn't healthy for me. And I do tend to do that. (laughs) So, um, that's where I just like try, try to have some breaks on intake of information. That is only one type of information. That's not to say I'm putting my head in the sand or anything like, um, but you know, during impeachment, I'm watching that shit all day. And like, uh, I think now I, I touch base with with what's happening a few times a day, and and then I kind of you know I'm work I like go for runs and um, work out with like little weights I have, and I bench press my wiener dogs. and
0: um, <laughs> I thought you were going to stop at wiener, and I was going to be like, "That's a really interesting way to talk about masturbation. I've never heard that before, but that's great."
1: That'd be a very light workout. I mean, <laughs> very small. <workout. laughs>
0: i I was thinking about you and comedy the other day because i was interviewing ashley nicole black uh and we were talking about her time on uh the second city like cruise or whatever the cruise and and i were trying to figure out if you did you do the cruise ever
1: i did i did one because
0: she said she thought you did torco
1: i did that too
0: yeah So you did how was
1: the cruise? I did um, the resident company in Vegas, and then I moved back to Chicago, because this was the last recession, and all the the theaters closed. I moved back to Chicago to do a play. The theater closed, and then I started touring. There was not a lot of touring, because, again, this was 2009. Wow. So um, a spot opened up on a cruise ship, um, and I went. And I went for three and a half months. And then while I was out there, I was like, what am I doing? i you know, when am I going to move to Los Angeles? I'm, I'm just afraid of it. So I keep finding reasons to stay. And so I was like out there and I decided when I got back, I'd drive to LA and that's what I did. But the cruise was, the cruise was great for me. Like I think some people did a lot of them and some people, I, I don't know. I was already sober at the time. So, like, I worked out three times a day. It was wow. a pretty pretty busy cruise. Like, we had 15 shows a week. Whoa. So, I, I, you know, I wasn't drinking. I was, like, saving my money. You know, kind of boring. But um, met a lot of cool people. And I was on the cruise ship with, like, some people I already knew, like Ryan Archibald, Chris Alvarado, Rob Norris.
0: Andy um, L was Chelsea Devantes on your cruise? No, no. Okay, I'm just naming people I know who've done the cruise.
1: <laughs> I've never i just watched her short though. It was very funny.
0: So good her short. Basic, she's going to be a guest on this program too. Basically oh. anybody I'm intri- like everybody anybody I'm intrigued by, I think it's cool is dating my friend who I just haven't gotten to meet yet or <laughs> who um, who is um, an internet friend or just an internet person I follow that I'm like, you're interesting. Like I definitely DM'd uh, Tyka dubs the other day and I was like, Hey, do you want to do my podcast? And like, I never, I, uh, I do not, absolutely do not expect that, uh, T dubs as I call him in my head will, will do the podcast. But I was like, fuck it. Why not? Like, why not just ask people, what are people doing? We're just hanging out at home. Like somebody who's a real hard get, 99% of the time. because like, this is my moment to just be like, do you want to talk to me for like a half hour to 60 minutes? <laughs> I,
1: I think and like what's the worst they can say? No. And like yeah, right now is sure a great time. Yeah. Talk about anxiety, like, you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Well, how do you
0: manage um how did you manage anxiety say when you were younger? Like, let's look at let's together look at our teens, 20s, 30s. Um, You just turned 40, I think, right?
1: No, I'm 39.
0: Oh, you're 39. We're both turning 40 in October within two days of each other. Correct. Oh, we're so cute. I was born on a full moon on a Saturday, and you were born on an almost full moon on a Thursday, I want to say. Could be. I mean, no, not be to catch Sandy
1: in on this one. Is it creepy that I know that? <laughs> no, no, it's very on brand. It's
0: very on brand. Like, and you were born on Thursday <laughs> in Chicago, Central Time. Um, so do you know what time you were born? I was 4.08 a.m.
1: Um, I, I think it was like 1.20 or something in the afternoon.
0: This is like we're a, a, a very. This is a very like thing that you hear people doing on dates, where like people who are into astrology, mostly women, will be like, "Oh, well, what were you born? Oh, where were you born?" And then they'll like run. Well, I just straight up tell people. Most friends, I don't do it to guys that I date, but I'll just be like, "When were you born?" And what? Well, I've done it to you where I'm like, mm-hmm, "Interesting. <laughs> okay, cool. Look at this. Um, it's pseudoscience." Uh, and I'm such a big fan of actual science, but pseudoscience is like a fun trip to the fair. And then you come back to reality.
1: Hey, listen, you're not even the most, um, like, uh, you're not the most devoted to this discipline of people in my life that my, I had a sobriety counselor when I was 15 and we still are very much like, I still deal with her all the time. She has a a um not-for-profit called angels at risk which um i'm a part of and we go in and we like we talk to at-risk youth we uh, it's very much about prevention in in la high schools and stuff and she's the head of that program so we still and she still calls me like four times a week to check in and, and and like we'll say well yeah robert but you got like rattle off a bunch of weird I don't I'm like so what does that mean and she's like well
0: "Well, you're on a cusp with you're on the cusp with Libra so this is obviously happening right now
1: no it is so so much more complicated (laughs) and and like wormhole I'm like Susie that she's like oh Robert (laughs) you know she's (laughs) look. she saved my life and she's the best and her work is great and I if she's unintelligible to me when she's discussing my emotional traumas as, as an arc of zodiological reasoning, that's fine with me.
0: I want to be her friend and just talk to her about this all day.
1: <laughs> you should. You I would love would her. <laughs> we
0: would love each other, I feel like. Yeah. She's amazing.
1: She's an amazing person.
0: Well, sometimes on this this journey of, of uh, getting better... Um, we do find people definitely who function as mentors. We get to be mentors to people, which is really exciting. Um, but I'm thinking about, um, like when I was in my teens, the way that I dealt with anxiety was I thought that I didn't have a weight problem or anything, uh, or, or, a, um, or, I don't know, problem sounds really loaded issue. I didn't have weight concerns, let's say, um, that, that came from me or that came from anybody else. Um but I did use food to soothe anxiety. What I learned later was that um, I'm hypoglycemic and hypoglycemia, um, that that sort of fit that one could go into um, where your blood pressure goes a bit wacky, you feel like you're going to pass out, your heart beats really fast, your rate of respiration increases, you get queasy, that mimics a panic attack. So It wasn't until I was older that I learned to distinguish between when I was hypoglycemic and needed to take in food, and I've readjusted my diet considerably, um, and when I was having a panic attack. So my solution was just like, and I also didn't understand the concept of like, okay, well, have something with some protein and some good fat. Uh, Don't put yourself on a sugar roller coaster. So my response a lot of times was like, a bagel, (laughs) chips, a candy bar. Because right away, um, as that sugar hit me really quick, I would start to even out and um so i think my approach with two panic attacks and two anxiety in general was food and sleep i would just sleep away the day if i could if i got really scared that's what i did in my teens to deal with it um what did you do in your teens to deal with it cocaine i feel like that increases anxiety sometimes
1: uh well definitely uh drugs and um like bad behavior um yeah i started uh you know i think i got high my first time when i was like 13 or 14 and um it wasn't you know coke came later my my uncle died of a drug overdose so it was like always like a red line like oh, i won't i won't ever snort anything or do cocaine and then you know i still managed to like fuck myself up out of college and come home and you know go to smc which was fantastic i wish i had just done that in the first place
0: santa monica college
1: yeah yeah yeah. um i did that for a year and started doing cocaine and you know cocaine and i were really good partners i mean i'm Obviously it was terrible, but um, did you yeah, I mean, I
0: did your uncle die of a coke overdose? was that what it was?
1: I think it was coke and heroin yeah, it a speedball. It's um, interesting
0: to think about um, I grew up with the specter of my grandmother's alcoholism hanging over the family and while that was not a, an internationally known uh, tragedy <laughs> that was uh, that I got asked about um, as I'm sure you did at times growing up. It was in the world of my family, this huge thing. And it was grandma got sober. Don't be like how grandma was. Don't be how grandma was. Avoid alcohol. So I think, and I don't know if this is, this is my experience. I know I'm projecting a little bit here, but I think that when we, sometimes when we grow up with this very well-founded thing, like, Hey, this runs in our family. Um, the way that our brains, our bodies, our spirits are set up, whether it's a biological thing and a spiritual thing or pure bio, whatever the fuck it is, this, it's likely that you're going to really click in with this particular substance in a way that could prove dangerous. Like, I think when you grow up with it, whether it's addressed in kind of a nuanced way or just a watch out, watch out, watch out way, it becomes attractive at a certain point. Like, I don't think that my alcoholism resulted because I was like, oh, fuck you all, I'm going to drink. But there was something kind of um, seductive about it maybe, kind of like a mm. there was a bit of a fuck you to it in mm. my experience. Do, do you think that was there for you with with drugs or was it just more instinctive than that? Like, I just need this, I need to numb out, I need to get out of this moment or I need to have fun with
1: this. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I had, while you were sharing that story, thanks for sharing. I mean, I think I had two kind of reactions, just on a family level, you know, it doesn't really matter who knows, like families, almost, almost every family is touched by alcoholism in some way. And a lot of the time, like lots of stories are told about it. Some of them are stories of denial some of them are like heroic stories of how much uncle Ted can drink and how funny he is. Like, but there's just a lot of stories told. So there's no matter what, there's like a mythology of addiction in families that I think is really disconcerting and confusing, um, to people growing up in it and, um, their identities. So I really relate to you there in terms of my own personal drug use. Like, um, you know, I, I, it's something I always did because it made me feel better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was really, um, just like a pretty sad, angry kid. You know, I had a lot of, um, privileges for sure. Um, but I was definitely a very destruct nonetheless destructive and, um, uh, child without any self esteem and Mm -hmm. definitely felt, like a piece of shit all the time, and when I did drugs, whether it was weed or shrooms or coke or ecstasy or pills or drinking or what do you have? Meth? Yeah. Are you sure this isn't meth? Oh, you're sure? Okay. Gosh, this feels like a meth high. I'll do more. Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, you know, it made me feel better, and I think you know. I heard someone share about this once, like they think drugs because they they think when they were young they they might have you know killed themselves if they didn't have some way to numb the pain they were in and then it stopped working for them and I I, I don't know if that's exactly my case but I I do relate to it that um, I I really needed help um, and things were pretty too crazy for me to handle on my own and um, I would have been probably even more destructive with self-harm if I didn't have some type of numbing yeah capability and it was something that was mine that wasn't controlled by my like very aggressive narcissistic dad or my mom who's like a wonderful woman but also you know dealing with a lot of her own emotions and they were you know two young actors who had a kid and like do, did the best they could but um the drugs were mine and my ability to kind of like be uh I always like had you know wanted to say fuck you to everything all the time that was definitely something that I relate to in your story and um but I always felt different I always felt kind of outside and always felt a bit um different than and the people around me and I think all kinds of things contributed to that like my parents divorce and growing up with my mom and whatever whatever else but I think it was maybe something that I was kind of born with this this um whole. Mm. And, um, and ultimately it became my, uh, it was going to, you know, kill me or, or kill people around me. And I'm lucky that it didn't. And frankly, <clears throat> you know, I tried to stop many times. I started trying to get sober when I was 16 years old and it took me another 10 years And things were really bad at that point, really, really bad. And I didn't deserve any help. And um, I was looking at, you know, going to jail uh, for a long time. Um, And people still Susie, my my counselor, helped me at 26. And she saved my life. And, you know, other people helped me too. And I didn't deserve it. Friends from college, you know, my wife's family, um, which is crazy that they would help me um but you know my mom where she could and and I got a little bit of help and um luckily I've been able to to be clean now that didn't keep me from being a destructive asshole and a jerk right because I still had a lot of work to do on myself and still do like I'm still gosh this is I'm sorry is this is this too too heavy
0: no no this is uh this is my wheelhouse personally and uh... I know, i'm like
1: i'm like diar like diarying out all this shit but you know that, all, all all there's to say is like things started to really change for me when i asked for help and it, it, it almost killed me to ask for help because so much of my identity was built on fuck you i'd do it my way and my way uh, was going to kill me and others and asking for help changed my life. And, and I still have to remember to do that. So, um, you know, and, and so when people ask me for help, for the most part, I, I try to give it where I can. And that's like you say, you know, doing the podcast keeps you sane, like being available to help others when they ask. Keeps me sane. you know, I teach improv, which is, you know, a kind of a funny thing to do. Um, but <clears throat> something I always kind of, my first uh, counselor o- always told me, he was a recovered addict and he told me like, look, I wear my addiction as a badge of courage. And I tell lots of people about it and I, I do the same thing. And <clears throat> what ends up happening is occasionally someone will ask you about it and be curious about it. And even, uh, occasionally people will ask you for help and, and. I like that. I, I like being a phone call for somebody to help steer them in the right way, and and that's something that builds my self esteem. And if someone needs help moving, I, I don't mind, and I pick up the litter in my you know on my street. People litter a lot in L.A. It's crazy. I mean, not to sound like some suburban dad, but like <laughs> uh, I pick up litter every day. You know, I uh, when my my neighbor is old, I I, I help her bring in her mailboxes, but I've done that, you know, in every neighborhood I've lived in, I bring in people's, not mailboxes, garbage cans, Mm -hmm. or I'll wipe down, you know, I'll add money to people's meters that are about to expire. I'll wipe down the counter at Starbucks. I try to do something every day. And, um, when you can't, like, I'll just pay attention to my dogs a little more and talk to them a little bit. If that's all I can do, you know, I mean, it's, you know, one thing that is crazy is like, even on this scale that I, which I admittedly is small, um, I work, uh, I volunteer sometimes with the, uh, LGBT center, the leadership lab. And like, these are people that are amazing and so good at what they do. And it is their, their work, but it is a selfless endeavor. So, The things that I, you know, I try to lend a hand to them. They did a lot of great work in Orange County during the 2018 election. Um, The Leadership Lab did. I was volunteered with them. And the community is in, uh, is activated. They have, you know, it's a smaller political arm, but it's, that's also something I'm very, like, proud of to help and also like really grateful that they accepted me um as part of you know yeah because
0: you're a cis gender uh uh straight white dude if I may and um the fact I'm sure they were at once grateful for your help and may have been a little like who's this guy What's the deal? You know, because- Not at all.
1: They were, I mean, uh, and they should be because I'm a fucking creep. No,
0: you're not a fucking What I'm saying is that when people, because I love the LA LGBTQ Center, it's fantastic. And they run residences that are temporary mm. and ones more, that are more permanent. They do so much healthcare outreach, but it's a, you've got- So much a, healthcare. A lot, of, it's a very diverse community of a lot of folks from ages zero to in their 90s many of whom have suffered a lot at the hands of, of straight, straight cis people in their families. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that, A, it's fucking awesome that you're an ally, and B, um, I think that a lot of it is, I mean, I'm, I'm bisexual, and I think that a lot of the queer community is um, very accustomed to uh, other queers showing up, like other queer people helping queer people. So it's very cool. And, um, you know, the LA LGBT Center is so such a part of the fabric of our community that it's a bit different, but you know, if, if I, if I was going to guess where my friend who even is like a very open-minded progressive dude, but you know, straight guy, like I wouldn't necessarily be like, Oh, definitely. He's at the LA LGBTQ center. A lot of times that you see, you know, you'll see parents of queer kids volunteering, or you'll see, but I just think it's so cool that somebody who, um, obviously has a lot of friends and students and I'm sure family who are queer and who just gives a shit, who just is like the fact that you're just like, Oh yeah, these people are part of my community. And you are a very community minded person. I think that wow. has come across a lot.
1: Thanks. You're Thanks. I, mean, I got to say like, um, they, they were like, Oh, you give a shit. Come on board. We love yeah. it.
0: <laughs> Bring that energy in. We need it
1: and and i've learned i've i've honestly learned more from dave and kathleen and jordan and Depali and even like the the main um organizers there like what it takes to make a change and um and i just really look up to them and so when i talk about doing things that build self esteem like it can run the gamut of picking up your litter to like devoting some time to some good causes or whatever now yeah. I am a selfish person, as I said, an only child. So I have to do like counter intuitive actions. (laughs) Otherwise I'll just sit and like worry about myself all day. One might call call it a a
0: contrary action. Contrary action. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes, So contrary action is definitely part of my shit. And, um, but like, look, um, I don't, like I don't have a ton of friends. I keep my friend group like really small and I'm very like devoted to my friends, which is great because I think I have some really strong friendships, but it can also be really limited. Mm-hmm. So teaching younger, it's not always younger, you know, teaching new people improv or, or what it, what it takes, what it means to be easy on yourself for being, not amazing at something you're learning or, or, you know, volunteering in places and meeting new people. Like this is important for me. Otherwise my world stays really small and I tend to isolate, right? That's something I do naturally. So I really
0: selfish altruism keeps, keeps us alive.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Selfish
0: altruism, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I mean, there's or altruistic selfishness. I don't know, but I just I call it selfish altruism because it's not it's it's to be self deprecating and to take the wind out of my own sails a little bit um, because it's easy to let your ego get big and and believe it if people give you compliments about stuff you've done. Um, and then the come down from that, when, when, if you start to really believe it, like hardcore or get really invested in it, uh, the come down is rough when you inevitably fuck up or say a crossword to somebody or, um, just you start to feel like a fraud. Like if I'm not a little bit self-deprecating, um, I will start to. I'll start to feel like a fraud and that'll do all kinds of fucked up stuff in my head. So, uh, it's good to accept compliments. I do, but also got to make fun of yourself a little bit, which is why selfish altruism is the, the official brand of this podcast is selfish altruism. I bring it up all the time, but, but it does, it does help us. It helps us heal. It helps us stay alive. It helps us be better humans. And I, I know some people you may as well who chose to get sober right before this quarantine kicked in or, or during, during this, this quarantine. I, somebody said to me, I actually am really grateful because uh, I can't go out to bars. I can't go to liquor stores. There are no parties for me to go to. I can focus on what I need to do from home, talking to people who help me because I had said, oh my God, I give you so much credit. Like, holy shit. Like, you know, I can't imagine like, this is amazing. And, he, and, and the person was like, yeah, but also I'm sort of running my own rehab in my house. <laughs>
1: like,
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I feel like I get to go to rehab for free. And I was like, they're like, I had some money saved up my job got furloughed. So I still have my medical benefits and on my paycheck, but I have like a freelance side hustle. And, and I was like, Oh my God. Okay. You're doing great. But like, can you imagine if the first time you tried to quit drugs or alcohol, it was during this time? Like, I mean, you wouldn't have the life that you have now. So it's even hard to, to frame it that way. I'm, I'm newer to, and to, to sobriety, certainly, but I think about if like a year and a half ago this was going down, and that's when I, I I don't know man, I don't know that I would have i I hope I would have stuck with it, you know, um but i, I think-
1: yeah, like look i I think anytime someone finds an avenue towards uh, changing this kind of this self-destruction that we all struggle with. I think, I mean, it, I, I'm not a religious person, but I honestly think it's a miracle. And yeah. so whether it's now before now or really any time, like, because what I know about myself uh, being a drug addict and is that, um, if, if I was using right now, I'd, I'd still find ways to do it. And, um, you know, or if, And if I think maybe, I don't know, like for some friends who I've kind of taken in to rehab or tried to get to go to rehab, you know, one thing that they always say is like, I can't miss work or I can't miss this or, you know, I can't just check out for this period of time or whatever. So maybe now is uh, a good time Mm. that they're not... I mean, look. There's a million reasons an alcoholic or drug addict will tell you they can't go to rehab, right? But, but I know that it's it's hard. It's it's a hard thing to submit to, and so for that person you're talking about, I'm really I'm really happy and grateful that they're able to to find something else. I mean, I don't know. I I, I have one of my best friends. Um, You know, you got sober, I think, gosh, more and more of my friends, it's like, you know, friends from pre, I don't have like a lot of friends who knew me when I was like bowling sideways and smashing windows and, you know, crashing cars. But a lot of those people kind of fell away, but I do have a few and a lot of them are sober now. Two of them, like, I can't, I can't, I'm just so, so grateful. Three of them now. I'm just so grateful that what who they are now and who they were are are almost two different people, you know, kind of with the same root system and it just That's
0: a beautiful way to put it. They're the same they're it's like two different people with the same root system. That's a really great way of describing it. Not just for people who get sober, but for people who go through some shit and say I'm different than I I'm a different person now, but it's a great way to own that you still are that person, just you've evolved, you've changed. So instead of divorcing it and saying, cause you've never, you never say I was uh, a totally different person then. And I don't own any of the shit that I did. I'm me now. And I'm great. Like you're very clear, Rob, whenever I've talked to you, I heard you speak about this, that this has been a progression. Like you are you but you have tools now and you've learned and you've changed and gone through that miraculous experience while being a, not a religious person. And I love that phrasing of having the same root system. That's really... I'm going to steal that. i to hey. steal
1: it. Look, I'm still... I still... Like, nobody's... Thank you. And I, I... Look, I make a lot of mistakes every day. And a lot of... I say things I regret every day. And I make... You know, I'm not like some... I, just... You just take, you take... Coke and whiskey away from a guy. It doesn't keep him from being an asshole, right? So, like, that's still something I do with every day. And um, well, no. you're also
0: smart and funny, and I think that that is a double edged sword because when somebody gets a lot of um, my, in my experience, when you get, because I'm smart and funny too, and I don't mean yes, you are. Thank you for folks who are listening. When I say smart, when I ever, whenever I say smart on this podcast. I don't mean that you got good grades in school. I don't mean that you read books or listen to national public radio. All the, I know some of the biggest assholes I know got fantastic grades in school and know all the good, important things. What I mean is, um, when I guess when I say smart, I'm not talking about IQ. I'm not talking about uh, intellectual ability. I'm talking about, um, I think, a curiosity about the world and a continual interest. In learning, I think that's what I mean by smart, um, and because then you keep you keep growing, and then funny is just fucking funny. So we are both smart and funny,
1: but when you're smart and funny. <laughs> I don't know if I'm proving my funny in this conversation. Oh, that's, the point. that's not the I think point it, like, of this. And
0: <laughs> People can watch you on uh, a TV, like I feel like every day, or they can see a film or go see videos of stuff you've done. Like they can get the funny. You're not here to be funny, unless you want okay. to be funny, which is fine. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. I talk to the Booker, who's me, and they don't need funny. <laughs> uh, that you okay, know, this, this is a this. Podcast is a place to have conversations about how we're dealing with all this shit. And in talking to just the other day, I talked to Alex Berg, who's the hostess uh, with the most of a BuzzFeed news morning show called AM to DM. And she explained cool. to me that the people usually, when she has people on, you know, they come into the studio, they've got their glam squad, they've got publicists watching. Um, you've done a ton of, you know, publicity for your show, you know, like there's always people. Now people are Zooming in from home. And she said that there are these people who are so good at talking points and everything. And she said, as a journalist, it's actually, in a, in a strange way, some of the best conversations she's ever had in her job because people are more vulnerable and people have been, are feeling more willing to talk about real stuff beyond just the talking points for their movie. And that's, that's the point of this podcast. Um, was just gonna to have to have these real conversations, uh, and, and I thank you for you know being here and doing this. Well, what I was gonna say was that when you're smart and funny, and people go, Oh my gosh, you're so funny, you're so smart. When, you, when we get those pats and likes, and um, you know, whatever your thing is, if you're a like super hot girl and and your whole life, people only are like, You're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, look how sexy you are. You just go in that direction, always, you go in the direction of the good feeling, but that can be. A, that can be kind of an addiction of its own and B, oh my gosh you can use it as a weapon. And when it comes yeah. to smart and funny, that can turn into um witty. People-pleasing. Yeah, it can be people-pleasing. It can be manipulation. It can also be nasty. Like, I could see you being a fucking dick if you're really hurt <laughs> and mad at somebody yeah. because you're really smart and really funny and really quick and you're literally professionally trained to come up with shit on the spot to get a reaction and like that's kind of a lot and so I can imagine when you were using and before you had training in taking a pause or whatever like you probably were really great at winning arguments (laughs) maybe you still are I don't know And, and you know we can hurt a lot of I know that I've said some fucked up shit and I'm not even talking about when I was drunk like before I went uh, hung out with people who and and an addiction therapist and others in my life who have taught me to take a breath a literal physical breath before I respond Uh, I said nasty shit on the fly all the time and I like to think of myself as a nice person but the reality uh, was was not that
1: yeah no I mean Um, I'm always, uh, astonished after the fact of the amount of damage I can do in a small amount of time. And, um, you know, a lot of the last years has been trying to repair that and also repair the new damage that I do. And, um, so yeah, your words are, are well taken. And, um,
0: but people speak really highly of you, by the way, like I, I, before we became friends, um, or we were becoming friends. And I, I generally, if I'm becoming friends with somebody with whom I have common friends, I will ask friends in common or acquaintances in common and be like, Hey, do you know this person? Um, just because it has, well, I think that's just normal. You know, like, I think we all just lived in a small town and I happened to meet Sally at the store one day and found out that Sally's sister-in-law was Josephina. I'd be like, Hey, Josefina first of all, you're named after an American girl doll. <laughs> Second of all, what do you think of Sally? I met Sally, you know? So I think it was, I don't know if it was Tony Mendoza or who from uh, no. somebody from Chicago comedy. You, you, All the Chicago comedy people are like a weird mafia where you just sort of like <laughs> take like a dart and throw it at like a pair of, stained sweatpants on a wall that's emblazoned (laughs) with all your names and it, and it hits somebody. And then you're like, Oh, cool. Like Ben Cedar or like whoever, like just yeah. there's a million people whose names I could list. Do you know so-and-so? And they'll be like, Oh yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. So, and I love, I love Chicago and, and, and Chicago people generally, when I meet, I meet people all the time in LA from all over the world. And if they're from Chicago, they go to the top of the, I'd probably hang out with you list. Um, just because they tend to be, uh, just cool. So I asked somebody and they were like, Oh, he's a, w- a wonderful presence oh, and I don't, nice. yeah, it wasn't somebody super close to you. It was somebody who had like worked with you a few times on something and like just kind of knew you and was like, yeah, no, he's just a good, you just feel good being around him. And I was like, great. This person is going to be my friend probably.
1: Well, thank you. That makes me feel really good. Cause in my mind, I'm always like the world's sketchiest douchebag hanging out at big city tap at 4am at the corner of, <laughs> Sheffield and Belmont, you know, like...
0: I feel like I've made out in the snow outside. there. Like, every trip I've ever had to Chicago (laughs) has involved some kind of, like, debauchery. Like... i'm sure you've been there (laughs) a hundred percent i'm just like every you know i've never been there since i've stopped
1: drinking that place (laughs) is a magnet for people like (laughs) us.
0: so many times i just you know coming up in stand-up you have this thing about improvisers where you're like fuck them what they're playing games okay and then you get to know them and you're friends with them and also they're the ones who get work and then you're like oh shit and then like probably you take improv i never did because i was too scared of it but like you know you end up performing at at I've done, I've performed at um, Second City in Toronto uh, on a stand-up night. I, th- I want to say Second City out here. I've done, but again, just like a stand-up thing, whatever. So you end up making friends with these people and being like, "Oh, you're actually rad, cool." And, and then you're like, "Oh wait, your career is way better than mine." For huh. me, you know, performance was not. I, I like performing. Uh, I I act like twice a year, but um, that was not my background. I was always I wanted to write books and. Um, and you know, now like scripts and stuff, but uh I came to really enjoy improvisers because like you guys are trained to make eye contact and listen, yeah. which is not really what we learn in the stand-up world. I, I had to learn that elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I also feel yeah. like I've had a lot of really like I was thinking the other day, I mean, you know, now I have like memories where I'm like from when I was drinking, uh, where uh, somebody will be like, "Remember when this happened?" And I'm like, "I don't." And it even I don't. I, I don't, wasn't, a, I, but I wasn't. Years like that of that shit.
1: Like, hey yeah. man, we used to hang out a lot. I'm like, really? Don't I don't have any of it. I'm like,
0: just I feel well, bad. And even it's, I, I wasn't drunk all the times that I hung out with these people. That's not even it. It's not even like I was in a blackout. I'm just like, what? Like, we did? And somebody was like, well, I went on a date to so-and-so the other day, and I was like, no, I don't. And it's not <laughs> about, like, you're great. Like, you're, holy shit, you went out with me? Really? Like, what, how did I fuck that up? And then I like, <laughs> pitched them. I was like, I'm going to soft pitch. They're like married now and they're they're lovely. It wasn't like a flirty conversation. Something had come up and they were like, oh yeah, I remember we went on a date on there like with those two dates we went on. And I was like, no. And then I was like, wait, you're so rad. Like, And your wife is amazing. And I was like, how did I fuck this up? And they were like, uh, and I was like, wait, did I, um, I'm going to soft pitch you the idea. And they're like, okay, Sarah. And I was like, literally we've been friends for so many years and it was a race that we went on two dates. And I was like, did I say that I was going to call you and then I didn't? And then I just like cut you dead when I saw you, like ignored you, like you weren't there repeatedly because I had decided in my mind that you were the person who owed me a phone call. And then we had a conversation about it later and I laughed and apologized and they were like, yes. And I was like, great, that's good. That sounds like something I would do.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Also on brand
0: very on brand. I was like, Oh, all right. Um, another time I, there was somebody who I remembered. This is also recent. Somebody who I remember dating who was like, do you remember? And like repeated to me some like sexy thing that we did also totally consensual, totally sober. Right. I <laughs> had no memory of it. And I was like, what, we did. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And I was like, was it rad? And they were like, yeah, it was awesome. How do you not remember that? And I was like, yo, it's not about you. Like, it's for sure about me. <laughs> like, just like, that's weird. And the only way I can deal with that is to is to laugh about it. And like, yeah. And then I'll talk to I talked to my shrink about it. I was like, why did that happen? I wasn't drunk. And she was like, well, Sarah, let me explain to you how addiction affects the brain. And let's talk about trauma and gaps in the brain. And remember when you read that part in The Body Keeps the Score, and you said, wow, that's so amazing. That must be really difficult. That's exactly what is ha- what you just described back to me. And I was like. Oh Kate, that was real. Wow. Yeah. I'm just like I'm just sharing with you. it's just chat hour, by the way. This, this I get it. Busy, busy I'm done I'm done with fucking <laughs>
1: chat. A do you have, chat.
0: Do you have moments though? I mean, obviously you don't have to give the details that I just did. Um, shout out to friends who may have been involved in those stories who are listening to the podcast. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast and I made out with you in Chicago while drunk or had sex with you at a party. <laughs> while probably people walked by uh hey thanks for being a friend but like do you have <laughs> do you have times that like where how do you manage that though like do you do you like laugh about it do you get embarrassed Do you get a feeling of trepidation like oh shit what is this person going to tell me i did oh fuck
1: uh, well look i always have that dread when when anytime anyone s- says can we talk for a second my my i hate my- it my first the first thing I always ask is, Am I in trouble? And I think that's because anytime someone wanted to talk to me growing up, I was always in trouble. And like as I got older, the trouble got bigger. You know, I was expelled from eighth grade. I went to like kind of a weird character education reform school for a year. My high school sent me to rehab. I got arrested twice and you know, blah, blah, blah. So And I was always in trouble with, with my dad. It was like different gradations of insane punishments. So, um, I'm always like, just in fear when anyone wants to talk to me about anything, I'm like, what did I do? And, um, but, but, you know, look, it's been, it's been 12 years, um, since those days for me, so there, it's rarer, but um, yeah, I mean, there's the, 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 the we promptly admitted it, right? So, like, um, whenever I'm in that situation, I, I'm always just like, hey man, I'm or you know, gender, whatever gender we're discussing, Hey, gender
0: like, neutral person,
1: hey, gender, hey, human being, um. That sounds crazy. And if it was a good experience for you, I'm glad. And if it was a bad experience for you, I'm really sorry. I was uh, really selfish and kind of in my own shit at that time. I'm trying not to be that way anymore. And I kind of move on. Sometimes though, like um, students will be like, we've already met. Why don't you remember my name? And, and that one, I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Um, I, I've been teaching here for a long time. I really like the Second City community. I met so many students and as much as I try to remember all of their names, sometimes I don't remember. Oh,
0: that's like my friend Curtis Gwynn who taught at UCB for like 18,000 years. So yeah. You have to, to make a, well, to make any money at it, you have to teach a bunch of fucking classes and that means you're going to see a lot of people and I don't know the capacity to which, I mean, there are people like Bill Clinton who apparently is like a super rememberer of faces. Um, I have a uh, mild to moderate face blindness. So uh, that that's my nightmare. Um, that would be my nightmare. But like any human being can only probably has the capacity normally to remember a certain amount of faces. There's no way you're going to remember everybody. That's not no. that. Yeah. You could be 100% sober and just the most healthy with it person. And you're not going to remember somebody who you taught in 2007 for a intro to character, <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys teach? Intro to zip, zip, zap, zap. Like you know, uh, you're yeah, not whenever gonna we that. teach,
1: whenever we teach character at Second City, I'm always like, all right, look, here's different ways to get into character. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not a great character actor, so <laughs> don't come to my show and be like, why is he only playing different uh, and angrier versions of himself? <laughs> And ask why? Like, look, I'm just teaching a syllabus here, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, what is your favorite part of teaching? Like, what do you enjoy the most about it?
1: Um, I like uh, there's a lot about it, but like, on what I selfishly like is like meeting new people and interacting and um, being part of the community and like. I really like to affirm people and also, um, you know, just kind of like see people change. And if I can help, like my teachers in high school saved my life. If I didn't have them, I'd be toast, man. So, um, I think I love teachers. I like being a teacher and some students are, you know, um, can be, there's a very small percentage of like assholes, but generally it's just people who are like hitting their own obstacles without knowing it. And, you know, it's improv is such like a stupid thing, but also like such a um, kind of transcendental thing. And it's kind of hard to marry the level of importance you put on it with like uh, what you're doing in there. So I like to like teach people to like, take it easy on themselves, make fun of themselves. Don't be too hard on yourselves. Here's it's a scary thing we're doing. So be aware that it's scary and show yourself you are enough. All those kinds of things, like be who you are, be authentic. You don't have to be good. Let's just get better every day.
0: Improv is so, it has so much philosophy to it. It's so, um, it's so grounded in philosophy. It's grounded in, in play. It creates a community in so many ways. It it gives you I people I know who are improvisers or who trained in improv. It has affected every part of their lives and has taught them a way of being and a way of listening. It, it, it teaches conversation skills. I think that one reason people get so passionate, people who are improvisers in a community get so passionate about it. Sometimes like kind of, you're like, why are you so obsessed about an administrative change in this bubble you live in. I'm confused, but I understand it because <laughs> it becomes, like, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It becomes a huge thing because these, a lot of us people who are drawn to perform, uh, I think come from tough backgrounds or, or come from other, I come from, you know, very comfortable background, but um, emotionally perhaps tough. Uh, or are just uh, in a new city who came from far away. The family's not there and it becomes a family of choice. And I used to think, oh, are they that all that obsessed with getting famous? And yes, but more so it's that it becomes like a, it functions like a family, even though it's also a business. So that's tough because you got to pay money to be a part of business. You know, teachers teach, uh, teachers get compensated for teaching. That's a real thing.
1: And, um, you know, that's something I say to my students sometimes I'm like, you guys paid whatever the price is for this. And like, you know, think about it, like for students who aren't progressing or, are just kind of kind of playing it safe, for multiple classes, you know, uh, I I taught a two person class with Tim Stoltenberg and I kind of just said like, you guys pay all this money and this money is equal to your time. You spend working and worrying about all your other bills and all this stuff just to come. I know it's nine o'clock on a Tuesday night and you're tired, but like you, you owe it to yourself to just rip it here. I mean, fuck it. But, um, I don't know if that made any sense at all. No, it
0: absolutely does. Because think about
1: it on a cash nexus. Like, what is your investment? Just because you've already paid, don't forget about like what it took you to get that. And I love Second City because they've got you know a great. It's a great community. I I like the people there. I love everyone there. Um, You know, so I can speak to that community a little bit. I I love that they've got a great intern program. They've got a great you know work. Based program for uh, you know people to work for hours and stuff but as far as improvisers go like um i gotta say my favorite people and the best people i know are are you know in my life personally not at the world at large but like they're improvisers i i love them and as much as we like talk shit about how annoying improvisers are and like bits and you know, there's some of the like Han. We Second City goes to SAG and teaches like free workshops to SAG. And I heard Hans Holson, who's an improviser, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he talks about improv and he's just like, it makes you better. Improv helps you with your auditions and all that stuff, yes, but like it helps you uh, listen better, be a better partner, be a better. Um, you know, domestic partner or significant mm-hmm. other. It helps you be a better parent. It helps you in, at your job. Like it just, it's a good. It, the idea that you and I can build something together that is better than I can build on my own is is a great concept for me personally. Because when I build things alone, um, I'm, they're a not not very good, and and b um, I I tend to isolate. So the the thing about like, hey, just bring yourself and listen and build on someone else's idea. To me, is like really helpful and therapeutic. Um, improv is not therapy, but it, it's a good fit for like a way to get me out of the house. So it's very easy for me to tell students like, hey, I get it. You made a joke there. It's great, but but you're worried about controlling everything. You just have to control a small part and look to your partner. And when you when you have a, a hard time, like you get in your head, look in your partner's eyes. Like that's, it'll help you come back to to what's happening. Be in the present, be in the now. And that those are all the lessons that I teach are all lessons that I'm trying to learn every day, right? Be present, do the thing in front of you. You don't have, everything doesn't have to be a joke. You know, it should be honest and should be real, like bring energy, show up on time you know, give a shit, be passionate. All those things are, you know, on a metaphorical level, like have faith in the person across from you. Don't think everything's going to fall apart if if you don't control everything. Um,
0: Yeah. Improv teaches interdependence, not codependence. Right. right. Because you are a team, you're working together, you pick up, nobody's going to be firing on all cylinders all the time. Even the most incredible performers are going to need assistance and you're there, to uh, help each other and make something great. So, you know, I think that improv is an incredible tool and I'm wondering if you know of any online classes because for people listening right now, they may either be um, living far away from any place that teaches improv. Although if you're near even a small to mid-sized city, you might have an improv theater there. Um, do you know like a second city, do you do any distance learning particularly now?
1: They are, yeah, they are doing it right now. they just started um, um doing online classes. I think there's a, a bunch of different um ver- they're doing it with their conservatory, they're doing it with writing and stand up and all kinds of stuff, so I think um I think other theaters are doing it too, but I definitely know second city launched this term like, pretty much right away, and they're still figuring it out to I think, but generally i think people are enjoying it to some degree i mean my best bud stoltenberg is he's teaching a class right now online and it's difficult with obstacles but he's doing a great job
0: but it'll, and 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 you'll figure it out you figure out i've taught many times um creative writing which maybe i'll start again i've just been very busy and trying to like manage what i do between my day job my outside client um sobriety meetings and this podcast. Um, so that's a lot. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I really would like to teach creative writing classes, which are way easier, in my opinion, than online performance classes. I've done it many times through distance learning. And it can be really fun. Um, you've stayed, I've kept you on this interview for a really long time, which is very nice of you to for to hey, I'm, it.
1: I'm here, I'm here for you. Thank You're you. You're here for me. Yeah. It's
0: true. Well, where can people find more of you um, on, on a screen of some kind? Maybe it's a, a television. Maybe it's a, just an internet. They want to follow you on the Twitters or something.
1: Sure. Um, so I guess uh, I, I, right now the, the easiest way to see me is weekdays on Game Show Network. I host a show called Get a Clue.
0: You, I saw and, you tweeted something the other day where you were like, it feels especially great to be giving away money these days.
1: So we're doing a new show where I shoot it from my house called Daily Draw. And you Ooh. just go to gameshownetwork.com to um, enroll. And we're giving money away every day to people just at home. And um, it's a really fun thing. So that's separate than Get a Clue. But okay. we announce the winners during Get a Clue. And anyone, you don't have to have cable to... to to enroll or anything you just go to gameshownetwork.com 250 bucks every day $500 on Friday. Um, and we've, we've just started, we we start on Monday, I think. Um, so that's another cool thing that, that we're doing. Um, and, uh, I did awesome. a, yeah, so that that's really, I mean, I did a short film that, that is coming out through screen fest. It's on Amazon prime right now called Dylan that we turned turned into a feature and, um you can check it out, Dylan. Um,
0: oh, the- you guys are you guys also I because I saw the short, you turned it into a feature.
1: Yeah, I mean we it's work it's in development. Right. Know, that's like awesome. everything else. But the script has been done and um we've got some fun producers on it. So hopefully that you know, we were looking for some good news and then all this happens. So um that's on pause, but Um, yeah, get a clue right now is probably the best, best way and do the daily draw. And And what's your Twitter or Instagram? Oh, uh, at Rob Belushi for both. Great. A lot of wiener dog pics on, um, on the Instagram. Oh yeah. And you mentioned pizza. So prime pizza in Burbank. Um, I'm a investor in that. It's a great group of guys, a great bunch of restaurants. They're in, uh, on Fairfax and also Little Tokyo. They um, they are open and doing pickup and delivery. It's the best slice in LA. Um, they're maintaining almost almost 100 employment um, throughout this, and they are uh, giving away um, food for impacted LAUSD kids and their families right now. So um, you know if you if you are hungry for pizza and on you know, in West Hollywood, little Tokyo or Burbank prime pizza is a great place to go. Cause we're giving a lot of food away to, um, people who aren't getting their daily school lunches and, and meals like that. So.
0: And where is, and what's a nonprofit that you support that if people have some dollars and cents, they could maybe throw some money to.
1: Great. So, um, I think I mentioned both of the ones that I most. There's three right now, but angels at risk, um, that is the one. I'm on the board there. They, that is, um, high sc- is L.A.-based high schools, preventative, at-risk behavior. So that's addiction, sexual acting out of use, um, all that stuff. Angels at Risk. I was actually one of the first Angels at Risk. Look at what a little angel addiction. you are
0: now. Yeah,
1: I know. So and that's, that's run by Susie Spain. So Angels at Risk really needs money right now. That, that would be great. Another one is the... Um, the The lab at LGBT Center, the mm-hmm. leadership lab at LGBT Center. Um, they are more of the political arm and we, we um, they and we have been canvassing. We just had a, a Zoom think tank yesterday. These are the, some of the best people in the world um, and they're all about uh, motivating and what's their term? People who don't often vote or- Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe uninvol- unenthusiastic voters, or uninvolved voters, or, or
1: occasional voters. Yeah, not regular voters. Often, sometimes people who you know are, are low income or don't have access. These and also you know fighting against Trump. Basically, mm-hmm. um, we had a huge success in uh, getting Dana Rohrabacher out in twenty eighteen. Eighty percent of the people we talked to voted, which is a That's huge awesome. number. Yeah. Um, so that's the leadership lab at the LGBT center. We could use dollars there. And then, um, mental health of Oklahoma city is another place. Um, I'm trying to find, you can look on my Twitter to give money to, sorry to get the acronym wrong. It's M H O K C. I think it's on my Twitter, Twitter, um, to, to give money to the mental health workers and, um, community of Oklahoma city.
0: I'm looking it up uh, right now. It may be down a little bit. Uh, on this interweb, there are so many. Mental Health Association Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: Okay, so Mental Health Association Oklahoma is m h a o k dot org. A <laughs> Let me just use my Jersey accent. Let's see.
1: Thank you for um, boosting that signal on those three angels of risk of course la and the leadership lab at lgbt Mm -hmm. center
0: and uh mhaok.org that's awesome um well thank you so much rob it means a lot to me to have gotten to have you on this podcast
1: it made me feel so good that you even wanted to talk to me so i appreciate it of course are you kidding you're fat you're fucking great (laughs) (laughs)
0: bye-bye bye-bye And that was my interview with my friend, Rob Belushi. <laughs> He's wonderful. And I'm just laughing because uh, my cat is walking across my quilt. I am recording in bed. Hello. After dark. <laughs> actually, the um, if you listen to it, you know that the interview with Akili Hughes of Crooked Media's What a Day was actually... Well, this isn't normal after dark because we talked about uh, horny stuff a lot. Um, no, no. In this case, it's it's like nearly 9 a.m. And um, I started work at 7, which I say loosely because I've just been answering emails from bed. And my cat is here with me. And she loves snuggles. And she makes my life better. And she steals bras. She steals... Really specific objects like she stole a um early on a tube of SPF 30 face cream and she she didn't even try to open it or anything, she didn't chew on it, she just took it. She's thieving and adorable, and if you probably can't hear her purring in the background, but if you hear like rustling, that's just me being very unprofessional and petting my cat because I need some comfort in this moment. I'm pretty happy, but having a furry creature to love is very beautiful and very helpful. And I encourage you to um, adopt one if you can. Anyway, thank you so much to Rob Belushi for such an open-hearted interview and for everybody listening, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Casa. Thank you to all the Patreon supporters. You can... Support the podcast by going to matrushka.com, M-A-T-R-U-S-H-K-A.com, slash code slash Sarah. That's S-A-R-A, matrushka.com, slash code slash Sarah, and shopping there. It'll get you 20% off everything except for masks, plus free shipping, and um, it's great. I get a commission on that. And that's very cool. And the masks are only 10 bucks. So if you want to get a mask, they're reusable, they're washable, they're reversible. I'm going to wear a mask today. Um, Actually, I am going to the uh, Los Angeles County Department of Health and University of Southern California COVID-19 antibodies study. Um, I was exposed to two people who later figured out they had covid and, um, so after alerting people with whom I had been in contact, just in case I had passed it on while being asymptomatic, um, you kind of didn't know what else to do with it other than that, because I thank God thus far anyway, uh, have not seemingly not contracted it but then you know in in learning more about it of course I know that you can catch it and not have any symptoms but you can become a disease vector for others and so since I had been exposed in February early and mid-February by people who did not know that they had recently had it or were about to exhibit symptoms um Anyway, point being, nobody involved knew (laughs) what uh, the coronavirus looked like or this coronavirus, since there are others. But since nobody knew what COVID-19 would look like, how it would exhibit, uh, that it was even, you know, a potential for us to have it here in Southern California. And we would have known if we had the benefit of our federal government disseminating information accurately, you know, a lot of lives would have been saved. But that didn't happen uh, because uh, Donald Trump is trash and uh, everything he touches turns to shit except for uh, rich white cronies of his, unless he decides that he doesn't like them and then he ruins their lives as well. Anyway, if you voted for him, you created this situation. You are terrible. Anyway, so um, since we don't have an adult in charge, as we could have had, uh, folks didn't know. They didn't know, you know. Early to middle February in California, this was not something we were really discussing. There had not even been uh, the first death reported out of Seattle yet. So I was exposed uh, twice to the virus and so found out later. And so uh, after letting people with whom I might have come in contact know about it, I... and. Perhaps me recounting this tale is why you can understand me being like, okay, I'm just going to lay my head down on the pillow. doesn't matter if it makes weird sounds for the audience, they'll deal. Uh, Because I'm going today, thanks to Rob Belushi, who let me know about an online survey of Los Angeles County residents, answered it. And I was selected randomly from a group of people who I think had um, similar answers to me to participate in a COVID-19 antibody study to test us to see if we indeed got it. I assume there will be other people there who had contact with people who they later found out had it, but didn't show symptoms. So they're basically, as far as I can tell, studying us to see like, okay, you were asymptomatic or maybe you had one or two symptoms. I'm not sure how they actually chose the sample size, but um, let's test you. Let's see if you um, carry the antibodies. And if you do, um, there are different ways to be of service. One of which I believe, and this is not any communication I received from the County, but, uh, I believe that you can donate, um, plasma. If you are somebody who has had COVID-19 and has recovered, um, and, and that plasma can potentially be healing and and help those who are suffering with it right now. Anyway, don't like quote me as an expert on any of this in case you were under the very mistaken impression that a podcast host and author laying in bed <laughs> contemplating going out is an expert. I will be wearing a mask, I'll be wearing gloves and I'm going to go to a testing site which is in this case a, a a branch of of our wonderful library system here in Los Angeles. Fantastic LAPL. Amazing. I go there. They're going to do a pinprick test. I assume they'll take a health history as well when they do an intake. I assume my temperature will be taken. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but one would assume that would occur. And uh, yeah, it's a pinprick, pinprick blood test. And so that's what I'm doing today. And 48 hours afterwards, I get my results and I get to find out if I indeed contracted it or not. I think I didn't, but I... Am not science. I don't know. So what we think. (laughs) You know, a a gut feeling is important. A gut feeling is key to tell you what feels safe and what does not. A gut feeling cannot tell you if you had a teeny tiny itsy-bitsy microscopic virus in your system that ravages many bodies, but for some reason did not ravage yours. Like thinking is not going to get you there <laughs> because thinking can be magic and magic is not science. Love magic, a lot of fun, not science. Anyway, that's what I'm doing later. I'm going to take a deep breath to chill out about that. <sighs> I invite you to join me. mm mm-mm, mm-mm, Move the head around on the pillow. I have very sore wrists from so much typing. Good God. Ooh, carpal tunnel coming through. I'm going to have to chill these wrists out this weekend, not do weekend typing work. Just give them a rest. Just got to do it. Okay. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in again. And breathe out. Let's set some boundaries around work, around emotional labor, around family time versus private time versus career time versus, holy fuck, I'm filling out unemployment forms time versus, holy fuck, I got a raise. I'm excited, but I feel guilty time versus freaking out time versus eating time. Let's... Lay some boundaries around all of these situations which may or may not be hypothetical in your world. You get to have a moment to yourself. You get to have your own experience. I cannot emphasize that enough. It's okay to have your feelings. Breathe in. Breathe out. Thank you for being with me here. I love you. I like you. I genuinely appreciate you. Thank you for the positive reviews we've gotten. They are so lovely. If you have time and want to leave a positive review on Apple or Stitcher, um, we're also on Spotify, but I don't think they do reviews. Get up in there and say hello. You can also shoot me an email with questions, comments, concerns, sarah at com. Thank you once again to the Patreon supporters. You guys keep the lights on take good care. I'll talk to you soon.